Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Pod Pod. We mixed it up on this episode, did something a little bit different. We did a live AFL Fantasy Q&A over on our X account, formerly known as Twitter, at Pod Pod AFL. We were joined by no one, sadly. Uh, no one, you know, wanted to jump on and chat to their boy Dossie for a few questions live on air, but we did get through stacks of questions that were hit us up in the replies. The listener's a little bit bashful to get on live on air with Dossie, but we did get through a stack of topics, including the big ones, like your Nick Dacos, whether to start him or not, Kitty Coleman, you know, is he still an option with that round two buy? Some of the comments coming out of Gold Coast from Dimmer, which were pretty juicy on the weekend, as well as some of the practice matches that happened. So there's a bit of a different different setup. Obviously, the audio not as crisp along this one, but we hope you enjoy it nonetheless. See you on the other side. G'day everyone and welcome to Pod Pod Live. It is your boy Dossie here talking all things AFL Fantasy this Monday night, 19th of February 2024 and we're going to be answering your questions live. We are at Pod Pod AFL on X, formerly known as Twitter. So here with me as always, we have five-time top 100 finisher, the Statesman. Welcome Stato. Hey buddy, how are you? Going well. Pretty keen to get into some questions from the listeners. It's been a while since we've sort of dived into some Q&A style, so keen to get stuck in. We also have with us OG Pod Potter and basically a member of every single other podcast on the planet. He's done a special guest appearance everywhere this preseason. Louis, welcome, mate. No, thanks, mate. Look, all I do is say yes. So, uh, no, good to be here and uh, it should be... Uh... Should be good to answer some of the listeners' questions. They uh, they always bring up something pretty interesting that even us uh, haven't really considered. So looking forward to it. And of course, we have our two-time top ten finisher, John Harmy. Welcome on board, mate. Thanks, Tossie boy. Glad to be here. And I'm glad we got all the good ones tonight. Yes, correct. No Holmesy on the show, but uh, look, we'll be dropping. Another Holmes Files episode this Wednesday, and I've just had a listen through before doing the editing, as I always do, and uh, that's a good one, so stay tuned for that one. But we will be doing a good old-fashioned Q&A for the preseason. This is raw and live on the stream, but we hope you enjoy a bit of a different format. But first, I think we better get into some hot topics before we dive in here. And just since our last podcast, I think... We want to talk about the Sam Flanders dimmer quote just real quick because that was juicy. I'll try and bring it up if you haven't seen it. But uh, Louis, just walk us through what you saw when what you thought when you saw this quote. Oh, I mean, uh, I don't know if the social media team have gotten into dimmer or what, but uh, when you talk about quotes from a head coach or just in general from anybody uh, to do with the football club. Uh, you just could not have crafted this thing any better. Uh, I will pat a little bit for you, Dossie, as you get the full quote. I've got out, it, mate. But, I've yeah. got it. Uh, thanks to the coaches battle tweeting this out. Um, this was the quote. His capacity to run. He's a really good ball. Uh, he's a really good user of the ball. He's incredibly smart, and I think he will reach the potential this club invested in him. He's only going to get better. For all those people who play super coach out there, get this kid in your side. We're going to feed him as much as we can. Stato, if you weren't starting Sam Flanders, despite the uh, round three buy, you'd be pretty tempted now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but obviously, uh, the opening round will sort of determine whether it's worth the risk. It's just, God, I wish he was uh, didn't have that early buy. That just sort of complicates the issue, right? But... 
Um, if he's going to be such a standout as um, we potentially think he might be, um, that it might be worth just shaving a little bit on one round uh, early in the season and, and locking him away. All right. There's one other hot topic we've got here, and I'm going to throw this to you, Harmy, because I know you're a, gr- a massive fan of this bloke. He was in both of our teams throughout the entirety of last season, let us down most of the time. But look, there was some footage today of, I think it was today that it came out of Jack McRae looking not great on his injury front, ended up running laps after starting off in the main group. Yeah, you know, I saw that, mate, and apparently he pulled up lame and shook his head and was upset at the trainers. And that made me upset as well, uh, actually, uh, to be honest, Doss and a little bit sad about it. I'm not too sure where to turn yet, but maybe that's something we can thrash out um, today. All right. Uh, we will be getting through, yeah, lots of questions, lots of listener questions to come. I just want to get any thoughts on the internal trial matches or, or the practice games over the weekend. I was uh, at a wedding, lads, didn't get to see too much of it. So any insights um, would be fantastic if, if you've got any to share. I've got one for you, Dossie. One I loved, one of the media um, articles coming out of it, that Clayton Oliver starred in the last three uh, quarters against the VFL players. Could you believe that? Fantastic insights. Thanks for that, Harmy. But no, I know, Louis in particular, you were keen on a few people, including one Jack Billings that I think you've been spruiking a little bit this preseason. Yeah, I've uh, I've been pretty keen on Jack Billings in general, but uh, it was really quiet in terms of what he was doing at Melbourne uh, over the last couple of weeks. And uh, it was great to go and see him have his first sort of official hit out for the D's. And uh, yeah, I do have to say, I was I was pretty impressed actually. Uh, it was certainly an outside role, and uh, the CBAs weren't there, which you know is a little bit unfortunate. But from what I saw within that game style, they were certainly looking for him as that uh, kick inside fifty and that guy that can really start to create some options for Melbourne. And we know over probably the last couple of seasons that that's been. Uh, something lacking for Melbourne, that delivery inside 50. And I think Jack Billings is is really filling that role. And uh, even though he didn't play wing and uh, CBAs, as I mentioned, like some coaches were sort of hoping for, I'm actually taking it as a positive because uh, we know that uh, Lockie Hunter is injured at the moment. He's expected to be back sort of... Uh, round one, round two. So uh, Windsor played that role. Concerns for him, perhaps, but I just thought that, okay, great. J- uh, Jack Billings had a prominent role at half forward, seven marks, uh, what was it, 81 fantasy points. Uh, I'm not going to read too much into that sort of stuff in a in an unofficial trial game, but I, I, he just did the things that I like to see. And in terms of an eye test, I was, uh, I was pretty bullish, I think, uh, Jack Billings has a little bit of a point to prove and we always love that extra little motivation for a player that's going to a new club that might show something. So um, he's one as a forward eligible player that I think we're seriously going to have to keep an eye on this preseason in the next, uh, in, well, in the next one game really. So uh, yeah, no, pretty keen. Uh, he's been in my side for a while and he'll probably stay there for now. Louis, hey, uh, speaking of forward-listed players, I was interested to see that Richmond midfield uh, based on Taranto not being there, Dusty not being there. So what did you make of uh, Jack Graham's game? Did you get much out of that? Not a lot, mate. Uh, not, not a whole heap out of Jack Graham. Um, he is one that wouldn't surprise me if he became relevant. I certainly need to see another game just because... Uh, like even in comparison to Melbourne, Richmond were just pretty much totally depleted through that midfield mix. And uh, despite the win, I'm not even convinced that uh, anything I saw is sort of legitimate on their side. So, uh, but that being said, he he is one that's shown that he can be an 80 to 85 guy. And I'm not sure what his price at Harmy. You might have the price handy there, but. Uh, yeah, it certainly wouldn't surprise me if he can put his hand up and become relevant. But for me, uh, he'd probably still be a trade-in target, even if he does uh, put up a nice score next week. You'd have to absolutely kill it. 
I think there's a little bit of a challenge reading into sort of the Richmond data as well. So when you consider Nank, Dusty, Timmy T and um, there's one other that escapes my mind, um, Baker, sorry, Liam Baker, who are all um, probably their first starting midfield, it's it's a little bit tough. Um, so when you've got four who are probably likely to be the first four in there, on first bounce in opening round, it's a little bit tough. But it's um, Louis summed it up really well. It's the eye test model. Um, and, it, and it's interesting the varying points of view that people have looking at these games. And um, Louis is someone I, I certainly trust and um, saw Billings uh, link up play and I thought it was pretty good. All right, guys, let's cut the crap and let's talk about Thompson Dow, uh, the, the man, the myth, the goat. Uh, tell me, Dow, come through. No, missing, I, I missing think... the four starting midfielders was my last point, Doss, so thanks for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, no, let's let's stop talking about the, the internals and, and the uh, the pracky matches and get to some questions, which is what this is all about. We put a tweet out earlier. I think you can also reply to this space if you've got any questions or request to have a chat. We'd love to have a chat to a few people live here and answer your questions um the first one though comes from mark who's put in his question he wants to know is it okay to pay up for the bench guys especially to cover buys the guys like Hall, curtain in defense sharp roberts in the midfield so what do you think there stato are you willing to put a bit more money on the bench at the moment yeah, happy to pay up on the bench as long as there's that potential of return because what you want to do is make money. That's the key key part where you've got to try and balance uh, points as well as making money. So uh, there's no point in having a, a 200K uh, defender sitting on the bench pumping you out of 30 each week. You're better off paying an extra 80, 90K and ensuring that you're really raising that money. But you, you've got to pick wisely, of course. Um, I think right now, uh, with exception of the defenders and, and obviously when we're talking at R3, uh, there's actually a lot of rookies to, to pick from. So um, be smart with your research. The, the forward and midfielders have got quite a few. So ensure you get the right ones to make the most money. And it's probably less on how much you spend as long as it's you know below that 300k model um, it doesn't matter so much how you spend it's the actual cash you're gonna make I'm gonna throw this one to you Louis but I'll give you a question in between to come up with your answers because it's a bit of a tough one um, this one comes from Peter who do you think is the biggest breakout contender in each line not a rookie though so I'll give you a question of buffer time there Lou to think of a player in each line your biggest breakout contender in each line and in the meantime I'll throw to you Harmer your thoughts on Cam McKenzie Sam currently has him at F4 um, wants to know if Cam McKenzie's in your thinking at the moment yeah, F4. That's probably about the right spot. Um, and yes, he is in my thinking. I've been pretty keen on him the whole preseason because he had a lot of sub games last year. So I feel like his average is um, below where it should really be as long as he's in the best 22 and getting a regular game. Wouldn't want to see him getting subbed out constantly. So I'm, I'm actually quite keen even if he's on a wing. Um, and if he gets CBA, he's even better. But uh, he's really got to be entrenched in their starting lineup, so that's really what I'd be interested to watch um, over the next couple of weeks. We briefly touched on Sam Flanders at the start as well. Sam also wants to know: Is Flanders now a no-brainer, even with the buy in round three? No, no, he's not. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm interested in Flanders, but they do have a bit of a tough run in that early buy. Um, really do put me off. So. Um, look, I'm just considering it. And, and I'll be honest with you, Dossie, he has actually not been in my team the entire preseason yet. So we'll see if that changes um, before before round one there. See, I've actually differed there a bit, Harmy, uh, and I've been pretty vocal about not selecting Sam Flanders. And uh, admittedly, unashamedly, uh, I have certainly taken note of that Dimmer quote. I mean, I said it at the top of the show, you, just, <laughs> you cannot ask for a better quote from, from a coach in terms of uh, an AFL fantasy player. Uh just recently, it just feels like there's a little bit more uh, 
confidence in those forward rookies. Uh, you know, for one, you know, Finn McRae put up a pretty good effort on the uh, just the week previous. Harley Reid is in everybody's sides. Orazio Fantasia was. Uh, Everybody knows I'm pretty keen on, I think. Lazaro put his hand up big time. Bailey Laurie uh, on Sunday was pretty impressive as well. Sean Manor, who we're yet to see, is another one, mature age, that does uh, well, has shown a bit at VFL level and can potentially take it up to uh, AFL level. I'm starting to relent on that a little bit uh, just based on uh, pretty much the, the small amount of depth that we've got in that forward line. So uh, I'm not expecting Sam Flanders to be that, you know, uh, even 100-plus guy, but uh, I, I think he is probably going to be a top six and uh, is probably the one that I do have the most confidence in being a top six there. And McRae was previously that, but obviously did have that injury. Uh, so for those reasons, it's definitely uh, come into vogue for me. I think potentially I can cover him with a 60, 65. And it does feel about right just because some of these rookies, uh, as I've already said, look the goods and the top end of that forward line isn't really, you know, blowing brains out uh, or braining it, as uh, as the hat chat love to, uh, love to say. I can see DC in here at the moment. Uh, so that, that gap between the best and the worst is minimised. So perhaps there's an opportunity to pick a keeper uh, and take that little hit in round three, but then, you know, truck along and and uh, have him for the rest of the year potentially and uh, I, I make no excuse dimmer's quote there has certainly uh, sort of turned the tide for me there's a couple of big questions we, we've got to ask and firstly I'm wondering where is the police is the police in Adelaide or Launceston um, obviously getting some sirens in the background uh, seeing warnings warnings listening on I'm, I'm tipping it must be Adelaide because they're all good citizens in Lonnie um, the, not me mate no no not Adelaide surprisingly <laughs> there you go Harmy yeah Harmy be careful something's going down your street mate um but uh, look the it's funny, we, we sort of look at the model of how many points we're going to miss in the one round, um, but maybe we forget a, a, a who could replace the scoring. So when it's best 18, uh, if you're bringing in a rookie um, that, that scores you a, a 50 and then think that that score gets dropped off, it might only cost us 10 points from what uh, was going to be our 18th rather than 19th scoring. So maybe there's a scenario with the best 18 model that we're overthinking a little bit the uh, um, the value premiums in the buy, and that's what Flanders uh, actually is. So if he gives us... Um, if he gives us scores of around the 110, that's what he's averaging, which is pretty much what he was doing the second half of last year. His price is going to go up even though um, the premiums that score that level won't. So you're, you're banking cash, you're banking points, and yes, you get a hit with one round, but it may not be as big as we think. You're spot on, Stato. And uh, look, you know, worst case scenario, maybe well, let's say 50 points that you're losing out on that round, but you know that's what two points are a week for the rest of the year, you know, so it's it's not a lot in the long term if you can continue to improve your side. So I wouldn't be getting, you know, overzealous on in terms of all the rookies, certainly the early ones with the buy, but uh, I think we do overblow it and uh, I'll be the first to put my hand up that I've certainly been one that's probably overblown that impact and starting to come around a little bit and we'll talk about that in a bit of the strategy leading up to round one, but uh, certainly in the forward line where the options are just seriously thin, it, it might be one to really uh, reconsider. And, yep. and maybe maybe that's the, the point um, in looking what's the impact going to be. As long as it's one player per buy uh, round, that the impact is going to be anywhere between 10 and 50 points. And if 50 points, the worst-case scenario, as you said, may hurt a little bit more in the midfield, um, but with the forward line being so thin and relying on potential breakouts, 
uh, lower end rookies, all that type of stuff. Um, the the impact in the forward line as it currently stands without DPP, uh, the 50 points could be covered over those 23 rounds. Amazing insights from Stato and Stato Jr., both with a, a monstrous segment there on uh, Sammy Flanders. No, thank you very much for your insights, boys. And DC chiming in saying Flanders is going to brain it. Don't overthink it, guys. So I'm going to jump into some of the live questions before going back to a few of the other ones that we had earlier. Rowan Potter wants to know, hey, Legends, how do you see Port's game style this season? The team points became plummeted in 2023. Does it improve? And by how much he's even got the uh, numbers here? 1445 um, per game, 18th last year. Harmy, do you see the pair improving their game style after being the worst fantasy scoring team last year? Uh, look, they may have a chance at uh, winning a hit out, so I'm not sure if that improves them at all, but uh, I'm not too sure, actually. Um, I can't see too much changing, given that they had a really successful home and away season. I think it's going to be a similar brand of um, footy from them. But uh, Lou's been down there. He may have a bit more insight than what I um, have with them. Yeah, I've been pretty vocal in saying that the only way is up, uh, and that's you know, probably a really simple way of looking at it. But uh, when I look at the coaching changes for Port Adelaide, they are there across the lines. Uh, and also contextually within our season, there's no doubt. And look, I'm, I, I think everybody knows that I'm very much anti-Hinkley, but I, I do think that the season was very much win-win-win mode. And uh, that just doesn't work in terms of a seasonal you know, AFL season. Uh, it's uh, by the time we got to the finals, we were totally cooked. The, the our best players were pretty much on ice, and uh, we just weren't able to compete. And uh, I think that you know, as as impressive as what thirteen wins in a row is, I think it is achievable by a lot of football clubs. But they just don't set out to do that because it's really not in their best interests. We often see uh, towards the uh, end of the season where the top eight sides are jostling. They do pick their battles and they do pick their rests in accordance to all that. So uh, for me, I think that uh, Port Adelaide will probably play a little bit more of a keepings off and play it safe uh, this season. And uh, if that can get them middle of the road, then, you know, we're talking 100, 150 fantasy points to share amongst the teams. So, I'm pretty bullish that they will improve. I think uh, to a point, it's probably the outlier uh, last season, just pretty much shooting towards the bottom uh, while previously being towards the top. So for me, I'm optimistic and uh, I think they can improve again and use uh, a little bit more of their weapons you know ollie wines has been spoken about too so i think there's points to be had there where they get distributed is anybody's guess but uh, i I really don't see uh port adelaide being the lowest scoring fantasy side again in 2024 and i think i mentioned it on the ball boys that you know uh when the sea rises so do all the boats so i'm hoping that that's going to be the case for port adelaide this year are you on a bit of a deal here, mate, um, getting a little bit of royalties by dropping as many pods that you've been on as possible? Yes, I am, mate. The uh, cost of living at the moment is seriously intense. So uh, anybody who wants to send me a message and uh, flick some money my way, I'm an absolute Marty whore for it. <laughs> you've also, <laughs> also just said you've sold your car because you're that convinced you've got the Lux as well. That's uh, dossieries of 2023 there from you, Lou. But um, look, we've also got a few questions relating to Kitty Coleman now um, coming through. Sam has done it on the live chat, but there's also been a few other um, people asking in whether it's worth starting Kitty Coleman. We know that he's been a topic in the preseason already, but Stato, what do you reckon despite the round two buy? What are you going to need? out of him to be keen to go there. I think it's also due to the lack of those defensive rookies that we're seeing, um, you know, the the real cheap kind of defensive rookies and no confidence in those players. I've got less confidence that uh, Kitty Coleman is a, is a great value pick. Uh, we know he can go big in quarters, in halves and in some games. Uh, we accept that. But he hasn't shown what Flanders has shown. So, uh, with the with the round two by, I'd rather take my time and have a, a good view. Um, 
listening to to Holmesy and and Selby um, over the years, um, as much as they like taking a punt every now and again on one of those mid prices, they're hoping to break out. If they're a little bit unsure, they like to look and see. So pouncing round two, round three. Um, sometimes is the best option, and so certainly Selby's winning here in 2007. Um, that's the action he took. So, with someone with a buy that I don't know if they've got the the ceiling at all, be a, a standout potential number one like Flanders. I treat it a little bit differently. Have a bit of a look, see, make sure both the the role and the scoring opportunities are there. Um, I haven't looked at their fixture model to see. Um, whether on Carl's um, scale of hardness, um, that they've got the type of run that you want to jump with as well. So he's one for me to watch. All right. Um, I've got a question for you, Harmy, and I'm interested in the answer. I haven't seen too many people bring this up as yet this preseason. With all the talk about value, trying to get you know players that obviously can make that money, even if they are in the premium category, Brisbane Bloods Fantasy wants to know, do we need captain options? And if so, how many and at what price point are you willing to pay up for that captain option? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I was always of the opinion that you needed two good two good captain options. Um, but I guess, you know, now we can loop and we'll, uh, we'll probably have a range of uh, options over the first six rounds about you know, a red dot to chuck a loop on. I'm not sure how essential it's going to be compared to other seasons. So for me, I'll just have a quick look, mate. I've only got one one player over 900,000 who I would see as being my captain early. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm standing at the moment. But depends how much confidence you've got in, say, a Max Gorn as well. I mean, him or like your Jack Steele or Zach Butters, if you see those sorts of players as being um, captaincy options, then you'll probably end up with a handful, won't you? But, uh, yeah, that's where I stand. I like to have at least one, so I've got one in that price bracket at the minute. I've got to say, I think um, when we made our team the other day um, on the podcast, obviously you guys took a bit of liberty when I um, disconnected there and threw a few random names in the mix, but... I've got to say that's one of the reasons why, even though it's probably a looser pick and not many people would go there, there is some, you know, I don't know, safety in picking someone like a Rowan Marshall who's over the $1 million, but the safety in the role, the safety in the scores, um, I don't know, if you're going to go a bit different, I'd be wanting to pick a role that is just so locked in like your ruck spot to get those sort of ceiling scores. But, yeah, it's interesting and whether you're willing enough to pay up for captaincy options is going to be an interesting one going forward. Um, there is a difference Doss between getting disconnected and being kicked off. <laughs> yes, that is true. Uh, Louis, I want to go back to that question. We, we've given you about you know 20 minutes buffer, so have you got a breakout contender in each line for us? Uh, yes, I do, mate. Uh, so do you want, I'll, I'll start from the forward line, uh, and this one I've been banging on about for a while now. James Jordan uh, is probably my breakout contender in the forward line. Uh, I'm not sure where that's going to lie. Definitely need to get a look at him, but just based off of all the sub games that he's endured really throughout his whole career uh, to this point, I think he is more of a 70 guy than the 50 that he's priced at and with a bit of natural development potentially, and uh, just a little bit more confidence in his role and a little bit more confidence from the coaches. They probably uh, seeked him out, James Jordan, to, to come over and join Sydney and gave him some reassurances. So uh, I, I'm sort of seeing at least 20 points upside there in the forward line, which is uh, something which is a line we're scratching around for, for options. Uh, is James Jordan, for any of you guys, also an option in your forward line? Yeah, Louis, um, I've sort of been interested in him the whole time. Um, but it's sort of a funny one. Like the Swans seem to be a club that you don't get much out of. You sort of seem to hear a lot about you know, those middle of Melbourne uh, teams but and a bit out of um, WA actually, which has been nice because there's some interesting options there. But yeah, with the Swans, you wouldn't know who's in their midfield mix at the moment. You don't even know if he's best 22. Like, there's good reasons for him going up there, being pursued. 
Um, you know, Stephen's gone, so the you know, there's arguably a spot there for him. But I guess until we see it, I'm a little bit uncertain. And you know, for for myself, I think Swans outside of winning finals are becoming a little bit like the new Essendon, where there's so many mouths to feed. So I want to see what happens in opening round. Sorry, warning was there, so I just thought it was an opportunity. No, totally agree with that, guys. I do like the fact that uh, Matt Roberts has been mentioned as being one of those guys that's in the best 22. So when I'm looking towards guys that may or may not be the sub, if there's a couple of guys that I can identify as somebody that may go before them, that's always uh, happy days for me. But moving on to the uh, ruck line, uh, I think the obvious one, and look, I won't throw to any of you guys for this one because we've, we've probably discussed it a little bit and uh, I'm sure we will continue to do so, but Tristan Cherry uh, should be the number one ruck at North Melbourne, uh, was somebody that people were keen on, coaches were keen on last season. Uh, I'm hoping he can break out. He's priced at, uh, what, in the 65 sort of uh, region. I think that he can break out to be sort of 85, 90, potentially even 95, which if he is, uh, that's fantastic. I can jump up to the next best ruck uh, whenever I see fit. And the, the reason I really like him too is because even though we go, oh, Gorn Grundy, Gorn Grundy, there's a potential sort of uh, scenario where neither of those are set and forget. You know, we've got, Rowan Marshall, who put his hand up in lights last year and went at the uh, 115 plus. And we've got Tim English, of course, which uh, went at the 119 or whatever it was. So uh, even though I'm not suggesting that if some of these guys go 110 that you would trade them, they're also at the same time not necessarily top two rucks either. So that's why I sort of lean to Tristan Cherry. He may be able to be that guy that does bridge that gap between uh, the next best comp. Do you, do you guys sort of agree with that logic or or do, you, or do you think there's a little bit more to it? I don't mind it, Lou. Yeah, I've been thinking, you know, all of these things that you have said, I have thought as well. So um, that ruck line is going to be interesting. I don't use a lot of people saying it's Gorn Grundy, but I, I've said all along I'm still open to the idea of having a Marshall or an English um, and Cherry Definitely in the mix. And I, I'm going um, Gorn Grundy, but um, because of the buys, I'm I'm open to, to switch if one or both are, are not working out. Does it worry you at all, Stato, that um, for that buy, obviously with the rucks, that potentially you've got no cover? And uh, I'll just ask that because... The narrative all season uh, for all these uh, early buy plays has been that, okay, well, if I select them, uh, I'm going to have to take this guy off the bench who may score a, a 50, a 60, best case scenario, a 70 potentially. But in the rucks, it really is quite isolated. And if we're not going to get a Toby Conway or a Jordan Sweet for those coaches looking to pay up for him, it literally is just a straight donut. You're not copying anything it is best 18 so you can hide a little bit uh but just having that one less can still affect your bottom end of that best 18 well more this year more than any other for quite some time the rule effing one um, becomes so important especially through those uh four early buy rounds um but yes i'm certainly praying that we have an r3 option I think the most likely at the moment is Conway, to be honest. So the reports, and they are very thin on the ground, of course, but the the reports is uh, uh, Conway is uh, competing well in the ruck contest but but winning uh, around the ground. So I, I hopeful it comes off, but, yeah, it is certainly a threat, mate. So it's certainly something I'm keeping an eye on. Stato, just quickly, mate, um, rule effing one for the new listeners. We actually do like new listeners here at the Pod Pod, unlike the Draft Doctors. Yeah, can't stand them. Um, it, look, it's it's 30 green dots. And, of course, uh, that's all about – and we know that's not realistic, right, that – 30 green dots disappears at about round three or four when you've had uh, LDU in your squad and many others that are going to get injured. Uh, sorry, still hurting from that. Um, two donuts, Doss, two donuts. 
Um, but uh, uh, basically it is that if you've got 30 playing and you've based your squad on having value players or um, undervalued premiums, um, that you're generating income. So it's all about making as much money as you possibly can to complete your squad as quick as you can. As soon as you've got red dots uh, sitting there for long periods of time, they're not making you money. Therefore, you can't use them for the one-up, one-downs, and it takes longer to complete your squad. All right, Lou, let's get to your last couple of picks here for breakout contenders, and we'll get on to the next questions. Yeah, mate, uh, moving on to the midfield, and I feel like such a fraud for this. Uh, I'm going to be picking Nick Martin, and admittedly was somebody that you were keen on the other week when you asked Amon or Martin Dossie. So uh, you, 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 I'm thinking you might be right there. And uh, before I go into Nick Martin, the reason I've just called a little bit on Carl Amon is the injuries to uh, GF and uh, Dylan Moore, I think. Amon was definitely earmarked for that halfback role and he's an absolute gun on the wing as well and a, a metres gained beast. Uh, and I'm just a little bit worried that if Hawthorne do struggle to move that football from uh, sort of the mid area of the ground towards their forward 50, that Carl Amon, he really is a shoe in to be able to do that. He's an absolute uh, lethal boot and uh, I think he's certainly capable. So while... I think he probably will start at halfback. The potential that he does go to a wing and doesn't uh, in turn gain DPP uh, would be, to be honest with you, a little bit of a disaster of a pick through the midfield. So with Nick Martin, uh, they've been super consistent all preseason that he's gone back to halfback. Uh, all the match reports, uh, he's there, he's the man, He everything is going through Nick Martin and being a team that were the most conducive for fantasy points last season for defenders uh, and keeping in mind that the top averaging defender was only in 85 anyway, there's just a large distribution of points back there. And I think Nick Martin is built a little bit different and can really capitalise on that. Kick-ins have been already noted and uh, for someone who was moved off the wing due to their... uh, Look, a bit harsh their ineptitude to defend. I think the halfback role really is suited to him. And if he can go at 94, courtesy of Jaden Popowski's stats uh, on his website, which I'm sure uh, if he's not tweeted out, has will tweet out soon, uh, the 94 is the worthwhile average for him as a defender. So taking a little bit of liberty, hoping that he does pick up that defensive status, I think he will. But for that reason... Uh, him being a keeper at priced at, what, 86, he's probably the one that I think can break out to be that 100-plus guy, which would be not only a great pick as a midfielder, but a total smash play as a defender. Huge. Uh, Harmy, you're our Essendon man. Just your quick thoughts on Nick Martin. Uh, I'm not as keen as some others at the moment. I think I've seen the training reports. Awesome. Um, and he can certainly rack up on his day and he can get loose and get a, a mark in that back line for sure. But um, it's, we've got quite a lot of defenders. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a bit of competition for the role. Uh, and he was also really good on the wing. I think that that's actually been put in place to try and assist like Durham, Dersma, Sardis. So, um, yeah, look, I'll keep an eye on it, but I'm not as sold as Louis is, but that's okay. Right. Harmy, that's just it, though. Like, they do need to get those minutes into those guys uh, through the midfield. And I'm just not sure, uh, and you're the Essendon man, mate, so I'm not going to push back too hard on this, but I'm not sure who they see as the main ball user back there. I know a couple of weeks you said uh, Laverde probably isn't the man anymore. He was playing key defence, does... Ridley start to lock down a little bit more. Redmond can sort of do both things. Uh, obviously, you've got Ben McKay there. Uh, I just wonder, uh, with Andy McGrath as well, probably not being that guy, I just wonder if more of that pill does flood through a Nick Martin who, you know, up to this point... Uh, in terms of reports, is just getting glowing ones. Yeah, look, I don't want to get too bogged down on this one, mate, but I, th- I think that um, Redmond's the one that's got that penetrating kick coming out of our back line and um, McGrath at times as well. So, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I mean when I say the Bombers have got options. 
All right, before we get to your forward pick, Lou, we'll just swing a few questions through the lads as well. Um, just one for you, Harmy, from John. Do, you, do outside players like Brayshaw score better early on in the season when the weather is better before it comes wet weather and contested footy beasts like Jack Steele flourish? Uh, anecdotally, that's what people say, but I'm not sure. I think in the first couple of rounds, we, we usually see a few sort of funny results anyway as people are finding their feet and adjusting to different game styles and that sort of thing. So I don't know if you could just say all outside players are going to go hot early. I don't think that's probably a fair comment. Josh Lord wants to know, Stato, I know you were keen on the podcast, but your thoughts on Geordie Clark from Frio, averaged 88 while Young was in the midfield last year. Yeah, I like the pick. I really do. Um, and has got that goodbye system. Um, he's got a few things going for him with regards to the uh, player positioning. Both Chapman... Uh, and Young sort of out of that mix. It's it's him and uh, Ryan that I think will get the major benefit. So uh, I think there's some value. I, I don't know how high the ceiling is. Uh, what's he priced at, Dossie? It's, um, it's mid-80s. 77, I think. Oh, wow. Um, so I think there's a good uh, 10 to 15 up for grabs there. So, yeah, I think he's a good pick. Love it, mate. And anyone listening live, feel free to um, request to speak. We will answer your questions live on air as well, but happy to keep getting through these questions that you've commented in. Make sure you do comment if you've got a question. This one from Jaden Greenfield. Thoughts on Isaac Rankin as an Adelaide man? Did see on the news the other day uh, playing heavy midfield time, uh, priced at 74, with only the 2% centre bounces last year. Um, let's go to Stato again, mate. What do you reckon on a bit of a Isaac Rankin pod? With the knowledge, of course, Rory Led was not in that uh, in that match sim playing midfield. But a friend of mine actually the other day noted to me, despite Rankin not playing in the midfield, playing in that high half forward role last year. Now I didn't fact check this, so um, hopefully it was spot on. But was one of the leading, if not the leading, kilometers run for the Crows. So certainly got that fitness, which maybe in the early days um, with his injuries kind of in the early career, you wouldn't have thought that he'd be leading the Crows in the kilometers. Yeah, look, it's an interesting one, and I'm not huge on this. Uh, I am in draft, um, but when you talk, there's Pedler, there's Rochelle, and there's Rankin that are all in that mix to to get a little bit of burst time through the the midfield, they'll probably share a little bit of that high half forward as well. Um, but Rankin and Rochelle, I think they want predominantly more closer to goals because of the impact they can have on the scoreboard. So therefore, I, I think you, you're going to have a lot of ups and down and it'll disturb the, the cash generation. Uh, I really like the player, um, but I don't know if it's the, the right go to get him in fantasy. All right, one more question, then we get to lose forward breakout. This one's for you, Harmy. Thoughts on Sexton? Bit of a word out of the Suns that he's in that half-back role in a bit of a role change. Yeah, and uh, heard that a few times now. Big Sexy in the forward line, 382,000. I'm um, pretty interested to see that. I guess I guess we have spoken before about there being some opportunity in that back line and you know, like Lockie Weller's not there. Connor Buderick um, should should have a bit of a role, but be interesting to see. My, my only question is, he's a 30-year-old that they're asking for a role change. So, geez, everything would just have to fall into place really well for that to pay off. But I'm definitely interested. I mean, he's, he's got a guy that's got a lot of skill and he seems fit enough. For, he just sort of seemed to fall out of favour with that forward line. So, yeah, if he's coming off that halfback flank, uh, accumulating a few possessions. I'm I'm interested at his price point. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, sorry to just butt in there, um, Dossie, but, yeah, I think uh, there's plenty of blokes out there that love a sexy whore sort of setup, so that might be one to go. <laughs> oh, nice one, Lou. Uh, yeah, don't get too excited there, DC, as well, when we're mentoning Butterick, because, um, yeah, he'd be quite keen on that combination as well, so maybe the... Sexy whore Butterick. Um, all right, so over to you, Lou. Let's hear your forward pick um, for your breakout because I think a lot of us would love to hear this because everyone's needing a bit of a bargain up forward and a breakout could do the job for us. 
Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Dossie, because I did start with James Jordan, who, uh, of course, is a forward. Uh, All right, yep. (laughs) (laughs) What are we up to? Have you finished your breakouts then? No, I'm up to defenders, mate. All right, sorry, uh, mate. And Stato did answer the question beautifully with Jordan Clark. He is the guy that I'm putting my chips on. Uh, He's got a defined role with Hayden Young moving into that midfield uh, obviously, Chapman did have that injury as well, and I just think that this guy is just primed to go bang at this point. The fitness is up there, which we love to see from a halfback point of view. The game style is there with Fremantle, who love to kick mark, kick mark all all day, uh, and it's just uh, the the ceiling that we have seen previously uh, and certainly in that preseason game a couple of years ago, which, yes, may put a bit of a bad taste in some coaches' mouths, but we don't see, even in preseason games, too many players um, of elite attributes to sort of go at that 160-plus mark. So for me, I think Jordan Clark, with a bit of extra responsibility, elite fitness and a and a bit of a leadership role back there is probably one of the more mature players uh, at Fremantle in that defensive six. I think he will be the guy that the football flows through. Priced at 76, I can see 15 points upside there. And I also see him, if he's not a keeper, as being that sort of uh, stepping stone to uh, a Nick Dacos, which is certainly uh, relevant this year. And for coaches not starting him, he could be your ticket to success there. Very nice pick. Loving my Geordie Clark as well. Stato, just quickly, I want your thoughts on um, Butterick and Sexton. I don't know if we grabbed him there, just because Robert missed the reigning number 24 overall by the looks. I want to know your thoughts, considering you were one that jumped on Darcy McPherson last year for his little nice run to start the year. Yeah, the role was really good last year, but we've got to remember that was under Stuart Dew. Um, but we've also got the dimmer model that uh, really elevated uh, short to uh, become a premium defender. Um, so Dimmer's given us uh, a few little tips. So Bruderick was one uh, he did call out as the Jordan short type, um, and he's also given us a, a good little interesting thought on Flanders, which is which is brilliant and great to hear from the coaches. Kenny and Dimmer doing the right thing by us giving us a clear picture of what they're doing, which is promising. Uh, Sexy, look, I just want to see it. Um, We've talked about um, Sexy uh, a little bit on the Draft Doctors uh, this week, and my opinion was that he's got all the attributes and someone with high-level talent that the Gold Coast have never got the best out of. Um, So he's got pace, he's got great skills, he's got a bit of X factor, um, and has been, you know, sort of sitting there in the forward line, probably wasting his talent a little bit for for some years when it comes to a fantasy uh, perspective. So um, I would love to see it. Um, we get the opening round to have a bit of a look, um, and if he pops out a good score, then he should be of interest. So we can make a bit of money out of him for the first two rounds. Back, you know, obviously three price changes effectively. Um, because you get the opening round score. So he's one I'm looking at because I think he's only 382 off the top of my head. So that's a, a damn good price if you're going to have a uh, a 70 or, or an 80 sitting next to his name. Uh, this is another interesting question coming from Michael Neeson. This one's for you, Harmy. Common theory is the Swans have many mouths to feed and many also believe that Adams and Parker will share roles. But Parker only averaged 90, mostly as a mid. So why are many picking Adams if a 90 maximum only means a 13-point upswing and he has that early buy? Because he's going to make 13 points and he's in the forward line uh, where we're starved of options. So there's probably a couple of good reasons. I mean, I think that he'll be 90, somewhere between 90 and 100. That's my personal opinion. I've got, I have no real... Uh, facts to back that up, but that's uh, where I see it going. I'll just give you a couple of names, actually, Dossie, while we're talking about it. I reckon Parker, Warner, Adams, with a bit of Robottom and Gordon Papley sparingly. So 
Yeah, that's what I'm tipping as their midfield, which means he'll get a high rotation. He'll be um, sort of around that 50% mark, I reckon, and that's probably enough uh, for him to accumulate a good good fantasy score. Uh, I think the key thing, Dossie, to, to note here, and we're all guessing until we see it right, so we, we've got to give the opportunity to have a look, and we will at opening round uh, and against um, some good opposition, which is actually even better. Um, but the key thing for me and the reason why I'm excited, we, we know Adam's scoring power when he's got the right role, um, but the key thing that he's got is his strengths is their weakness. So I can't imagine um, at this stage, but maybe proven wrong because it's only theories at this stage, um, that why would you split 50-50 and only improve your weakness by 50%? Um, I'd go full hog if I was them. I, I, I tend to agree with that too, Stato. I think he will be pretty prominent in those midfield in that midfield role, uh, where he ends up in terms of scoring is anyone's guess. It's certainly not encouraging that uh, you know some of their best midfielders outside of Goulden are really just edging that 90 mark. And look, I, I, I do think that Adams can go at that 90, which is about you know 13 to 14 points upside. Where I do see some concern and something I probably haven't seen uh, or heard mentioned much, and maybe I haven't been uh, listening enough, but uh, Brody Grundy is coming into that midfield and he's someone that all of us are sort of going, okay, he's 100 to 105 guy, you know, he's going to have that automatic upside, he's an absolute gun. And when I look at the Ruckman last year, which was Tom Hickey, and I don't have the numbers what he averaged last year, but it wouldn't have been, you know, much more than 80 if that. Uh, I, I wonder where that those points sort of come from. Yeah, there may be more stoppages and all that, but everybody says that, Brody Grundy does play as that extra midfielder. Uh, so that does worry me a little bit. On the flip side, though, uh, I can see there being some cohesion within that sort of partnership, obviously both coming from uh, Collingwood as well. So I'm, I'm a little bit more hesitant on a Taylor Adams. But that being said, at the 691k price mark, I think you've got probably a plethora of options to drop down, you know, uh, Alex Neil Bullen, which was someone you were keen on, Stato, uh, just the other day, is there at 650. Connor McDonald been spoken about the whole preseason at 638k. James Harms uh, 637k, and you know Liam Baker we've mentioned a couple of times too. So he does provide that parachute that if he doesn't fire in round zero, that we can drop down and go, oh sweet, I've got that 60k pocket money to go and spend elsewhere. And the other question, obviously, is is his body, but hopefully he does the right thing. If he does get injured, make it the 25-minute mark of round four and we're all sweet. The thing about Adams, though, I, I mean, I spoke with Bales about this. Um, he hasn't scored below what he's priced at in the last 10 years, so I can't see him going backwards. Like, he's gone there for an opportunity and, in my opinion, a promise of an inside role. Uh, I just think he's going to have a good year. Saving your best content for the other podcasts as usual there. Harmy, thanks, mate, for that. Um, no, but uh, we'll get on to another question and go back to the nibbler for Stato. Uh, Alex Neil Bullen, another question coming in about him. So played a centre bounce role on the weekend. We know that there's likely a bit of a delayed start to the preseason or sorry, to the season proper for Clayton Oliver, potentially, or, or maybe less of a midfield role while he gets his fitness up. Um, Alex Neil Bullen, probably not one that we... Would have thought we kept looking at the Sparrows, at the potential for Billings to go in there, but maybe an Alex Neil Bullen, bit of a nibbler action up forward with a centre bounce roll, thought Stato. Yeah, he's got great scoring power. And look, we've seen a 140 from him before. Um, so, right roll, right opportunity. He could be a great score for us. So, I'm going to have a keen eye on, on round zero. Um, the, the data for those four quarters, admittedly without Oliver, but we actually know that their forward line, sorry, their, their midfield's a bit thin. Um, so they've they've got a few issues. So they'll be looking for other people to um, put a bit of work rate in and um, positive signs with his percentage, which was just below 70 for those four quarters. Uh, higher than Petrucca, 
Um, and what did Petrarca do nice and early, show how good he is in front of goal. So that's good signs. Um, so he's a bit of an ace in the pack if it eventuates and he does get good midfield time. I think the one in our midfield, though, is Viney at the minute that we, we should be sort of having a bit of a look Big at. Big time. Finished the season well last year. He's a pure inside mid. He's not going to be chopping out in that forward line. for like He'll have the highest yep. percentage of CBAs, I would expect. So, yeah, he's one to, to have a look at. A, a juicy point of difference, if you will, there, Harmy. Love that. And uh, Stato as well. So, yeah, a few to keep an eye on for Melbourne. Still interested to see what happens with that whole dynamic. Um, just looking through some questions. Have we got through enough here? Um, sorry, boys, padding a bit. Oh, um, Dacos. We want our thoughts on Dacos. So, I mean, it's been a it's been a hot topic, Dacos, to to the season. I think most of us think he is going to be the D one, but I think a majority of the pod squad here aren't keen on starting Dacos. Uh, is everyone on that same boat, Stato? Yeah, I, I've never been a fan, and for as long as I can remember playing this game, where you. You pay for um, the highest priced player in the line. Um, just never been for it. I've always looked for the value. Um, and obviously, he's got a couple other things that have a little bit of a concern. So he plays Sydney Swans round one, um, his toughest opponent. He's got Hawthorne with a potential tag. And we've got to be careful. Last year, sort of, Louis sort of planned not to have him because of a, a tag. So and as we found out, that was the, the incorrect call. Um, and then you've got the buy. Um, so there's sort of three things that you've got that sort of question mark, as well as being um, at the max price. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't improve because we know this one is a special player, um, but he's the type that I'm willing to see what happens and uh, make him a target um, after his buy. Same thoughts for you, Lou? Yeah, he is uh, He is super interesting. And uh, Stato did mention that we were, as co- I mean, a large group of coaches last season weren't interested in starting him due to that tag threat. And uh, I sort of think, you know, how many times as fantasy coaches do we sit back and go, oh, I was a year early on that one and, uh, I'm not saying that's necessarily going to be the case, but Nick Dacos, uh, make no doubt about it, certainly put his name up in lights. He is the guy to propel Collingwood forward, and he is the guy that really did get them to a grand final in the end and, and eventually won it. And quite often uh, when something like that happens, uh, opposition coaches take note. Uh, he's their best player, and uh, we do talk about specific tag scenarios like a Finn, a Windy, potentially a Drew, but uh, outside of that, it's not only that. It's, you know, there are run with roles that happen within games and attention that is applied. And I'm not doubting Nick Dacos for a second. I think at 10809 price point, he probably is still a couple of points value, but uh, that potential. Uh, compounded by his early buy in round five is just something where uh, at the end of the day, I would rather go and pick somebody who I'm confident can go 109 uh, and not have that buy uh, and still be a keeper. So that is where I lean. I understand that he is far and away the best uh, defender that we've got to pick from. Uh, I understand that, yes, okay, potentially we can move him into our mid so that we don't have such a, a difference between what our first selected emergency is uh, and our defender uh, emergencies. But but I just think you're introducing so many different variables here, uh, whereas on the other end of the spectrum, I sort of go, well, you know, maybe I can pick a, an Andrew Brayshaw and, and he can go 109 times six as opposed to, you know, maybe 109 times five. Uh, so that, that's where I end up landing. I think he's going to be somebody that we target. I think he's somebody that uh, absolutely every single coach uh, with a starting squad this year should be making a plan right now. Okay, how do I get Nick Dacos? I mentioned earlier that look, I, I'm planning on hopefully Jordan Clark being that guy, but you look towards the forward line, everybody's starting three, four, 
you know, some even five mid prices up forward. Is that the way to go? Uh, there's, uh, there's definitely a FOMO aspect about not starting Nick Dacos, which is fine. Uh, but I think that maybe we need to move our viewpoints towards, okay, well, I'm not going to start Nick Dacos. I'm going to start this guy instead who I think can maybe match him, but I, I need to have a plan in place, and it doesn't always go right, uh, but I've got a plan in place to go, okay, sweet, I'm going to get Nick Dacos off that round five buy or off that round six buy post Port Adelaide, and I'm going to do it via this. Uh, and even if that plan doesn't come to fruition this week, the fact that you've got that in place can often set you up uh, a whole lot better than some of the players that um, that uh, you know you, you're sort of thinking about. So yeah, that that's where I sit with Nick Dacos. All right, I think everything has been said for Nick Dacos, Harmy. But are you yes or no starting? No, I've got um, still got uh, Jack Bowles as my D one at this stage, mate. Jack Bowes, mate, get the pronunciation right, please. But yes, Jack Bowes, what a gun. Uh, Andrew wants to know, we'll just get a few more questions and then we'll wrap up. We've been just about going for an hour here. So Andrew wants to know, is Martin DRM4, Crouch M5 and Wines M6? So Martin, Nick Martin M4, Matt Crouch M5 and Ollie Wines M6. Too much preseason mid-price madness, Stato. No, they're potential value. Um, I'm less, less convinced with Martin, but let's see what it happens. And the only reason I am, um, he's the right quality player, all that type of stuff, and I think he can do really well in the role. There's just a lot of players. What's happening with Redmond, Ridley, uh, McGrath, um, that's quite a few to sort of feed the footy. Um, but I, I understand that I could be proven well wrong here. So I see the potential upside. Um, the other two, what I see Crouch is part of the 22, but he's good value. Wines is definitely good value. So it's not crazy. In, in fact, it's the way we should be playing, right? Uh, potential premiums in their lines. Um, I, I don't think uh, outside potentially Martin, if he does get defender status, that they're you know, top eight players, Crouch and and wines, but they're good value. They're going to help make money as well as give you good points on field. Now, Harmy, quick one for you, mate. Uh, from Marco, has Jack Steele shrugged off his niggles and can he be go back to being a 100-plus averaging guy? We haven't seen him yet, but um, what are your thoughts ahead of the potential games coming up? Of course up? he can. I mean, who's playing in the midfield for the Saints? Jack Steele and... Batty nah, down. Not the start of the season, he's not. Um, I'm not sure if Crouch is in full training yet. Don't know about that. Where's my list, actually? But, look, I think that last year he had, what, he had the shoulder injury and a knee injury. It seems like he was always battling something. I think he had post-season surgery as well, didn't he? So, geez, he was pretty banged up. I mean, I think that he's, uh, you know, reportedly fit in the uh, pre-season. I just think that it's all him. Um, why wouldn't they continue to invest in him? He's not even 30. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, still clear clear number one mid in my opinion. Crouch will come in there. Windhager will play a defensive role most likely. Clark is injured. Sinclair may need to come in there because outside of that, it's Dow who's injured, Seb Ross. So, I mean, Filippo a little bit possibly, but I'm sort of struggling to pick what's happening with that Saints midfielder at the middle at the moment other than Steele. It's got to be him that they centre everything around. So we'll see. Marshall to Steele has a pretty nice ring to it. I think it'll happen a fair bit this season. Also, just shout out to former Saint superstar Jackie Bytel getting signed by the Pies. So, my boy, available Hashtag to on brand, available to select under three hundred thousand. The premiers know a good uh, good pick when they see one there. So, Jackie Bytel back on an AFL list. Um, look, I think we'll just get to one more here for you, Louis. The fans want to know: Is Simon Goodwin holding Jake Bowie back? Did uh did you ask yourself of the burner account, Dossie? Or this is a legit question, mate. Uh look, no, I, I don't think that they're holding Jake 
Bowie back. I think they have better users, and we saw that probably on the weekend with a, a guy that was touted for more mid-time, and Trent Rivers just used the ball beautifully off half-back, I think. Uh, Stephen May is underrated in terms of his disposal, and that's a reason why he does take a lot of the kick-ins. Another that didn't play on the weekend was Brayshaw. Uh, I just think that Bowie's a bit of a role player. He can do, he can use the ball well, but he can uh, look down on some of those smalls quite well too. So for me, he's just caught in between a couple of different roles. And for that reason, uh, I, I just don't see him as being relevant, mate. No worries, mate. Well, thanks everyone for listening to a bit of a change up. Pod Pod Live, of course, we, we are at Pod Pod AFL here on X. You can follow us on Spotify, on YouTube, wherever you're listening to your podcast as well. We'll be putting this up on the podcast feed so you can listen back to the whole thing or, of course, just listen to it back on the Spaces feed. Also, go join the Pod Pod Challenge. Look it up in your leagues on AFL Fantasy Classic. We're going to go through that again. We're going to have a prize on the line this year as well, so make sure you join that. That is an open league. You can search it in your league settings or wherever you join your league. Uh, Warnie will be able to tell you how to do that and uh, join along. We'll see you on the podcast. Keep an eye out on Wednesday. There's going to be another episode of The Holmes Files with another special guest coming up. We'll talk to you all soon. Very well until then. Bye.